This is Graphically Novel, a podcast by three brothers who like each other but love comic books. I'm Jamie. Sam. I'm Josh. And on this episode, we're continuing Hawkeye Month with Hawkeye Volume 3, L.A. Woman. Did this volume surprise you, Phyllis? A little. Not much. I figured that's what they was going to do with it, honestly. Yeah. I think I may have called it because I said I wasn't hopeful I was going to get any Clint in Volume 3. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, um, I'm 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 going to predict. We're, st- we're still in the po- spoiler-free section here, but I'm going to predict this of the four volumes of the Fracture Run, this is the most divisive one of the, of the four. And I think we'll have the biggest diversity of grades on our live-action Batman grades segment. You want to do it, guys? Yep. Well, that this grading scale is our eccentric grading scale based on the men who have thus far played Batman in live action. That scale is from best to worst, Bell Affleck, Keaton West, Kilmore, and poor George Clooney. And Josh, you have the, uh, well, let's see what kind of grade you give it. Uh, the privilege of going first. What's your live action Batman grade? Now, this is the duty of going first. It's not a privilege this week. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know where you guys are going to land. Uh, I'm, I'm going with a solid Keaton. I dropped it down a grade from the first two volumes. Still on the plus side, still a good read, but I did uh I did drop it down a little bit and we'll get into it in a pyramid why. Um <clears throat> I, I went Affleck, um, but I've went bail for the first two. So I also dropped it a grade. Um I like I like this story a lot, but it feels very, very different from the first two. And there's also some stuff that's missing that also I think helped the first two shine as well. And so, but I, I do, I do want to say though, that, um, this might, this is, this is my two cents. I was reading this as it came out monthly and I think it reads better monthly versus how they've arranged these two, these last two trades in this series. This is what you said last week too. Yeah. Yeah. Not right, Sam, what's your live action? Batman grade? Man, I was kicking forth. Between two grades, I've got Keaton and Affleck wrote down, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna give it a Keaton plus, and it's there's a few reasons why, and one of them is the one I always complain about, and I just it just killed me. So we'll we'll definitely definitely have to talk about it. All right, and uh, normally we would ask the uh, the whole are you going to continue reading question around around this part of the show, but we're committed to Hot Guy Month, so. <laughs> yeah definitely gonna finish but yeah we're gonna finish this run all right so the creator credits for this one are it is written by matt fraction of course art by javier Polito, sam's favorite and annie Wu. uh colors by matt hollingsworth letters by vcs clayton cowles and chris Iliopoulos, and covers by javier Polito and david aja and that ends the spoiler free section of this podcast from here on out, you have to worry about all that spoiler radiation. So once you hear the klaxon, beware. It's time for the bite size breakdown. All right. And I've got issue one or the annual number one. Uh, and here we go. Kate has left New York and Madel Mask is being briefed on the situation. Kate arrives in L.A., and her credit card is declined at her hotel, and all of her stuff gets stolen. She runs into an incognito Madame Mask, who offers to help her. Seeing as Kate has less than 80 bucks to her name, she takes Madame Mask's offer and agrees to stay at her place for a bit. Madame Mask slips up, and Kate figures out who she is. She makes a daring escape and then lands a job house-sitting for two old ladies. Wow, but you really... He's really summed <laughs> that up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've gotten away from that. I don't do that no more. All right. That's the Cliff Notes version. Uh, anyway, I found this really hard to Cliff Notes. Um, so mine are a little longer than usual. So here is, um, I think it's issue 14, but it's, it's for our purposes, issue two. Kate's life in California is going well, but she needs a job. So she decides to become a hero for hire. I thought that was taken, by the way. Uh, when she's trying to print print out her ad, she meets a couple in need of help because the orchids for their wedding have been stolen. Kate is on the case. 
The florist was robbed and beaten up. Someone named Flint Ward is involved, and she contacts Detective Caudle, and a beautiful friendship begins. Or does it? Uh, then she meets a guy in a trench coat in the cat food aisle, and he gives her some sage advice. She sneaks into Flint Ward's house and finds some more bell, uh, bellboys. They fight, but she gets away with a single orchid, and the day is saved. Flint Ward spends a night in jail and uses his phone call to contact Madame Mask. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. All right. So, I don't like Jamie. Mine is not quite the cliff notes. But here we go. Uh, issue three, which is actually 15 in the run. A sad boy sings. It's not 15. Which one is it? 16. Is it 16? Man. Yeah. They did jump around. Yeah. I don't even remember. Kate they jumped around. Ones. Yeah. All right. So, actually, issue, issue 16 is the volume number three. Issue three. Whatever. Anyhow, <laughs> we'll get it right eventually. I'm confused now. Nope. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> but a sad boy sings a song and is happy for the last time. 46 years later, he is walking down 405 looking like a homeless person. Kate happens to be riding her bike on the expressway and finds him there. He is muttering some nonsense. She takes him back to the guy's trailer where they tell, tell her the guy's name is Will Bryson. Will keeps repeating it's stolen. They are all gone. She finds out that his his wish, his wish was stolen. It was his lost masterwork. He had spent the last 40 years working on it, and he claims his brother stole his music and released it on the Internet. She then goes to uh, the library to try to find it on the Internet, but gets arrested instead. <laughs> Once out, she uh, gets on a tour bus ride and finds his house. She breaks in and finds Will. Uh, then she gets in a fight with the nurses and loses. She wakes up in front of Will's brother, and he admits he did it. Then it shows Will on stage playing his lost masterpiece. Kate is in the crowd and is happy, but it doesn't last because Madam Mask whispers, found you, and then disappears. And then I've got issue four or of the volume, issue 18 of the series. Uh and I thought somebody might hit on the character I'm leading off with, but nobody knows who he is. Harold is a guy that Kate has met at the convenience store in the cat food aisle several times. So Harold is leaving town and asks Kate to keep his cat. She agrees, but the cat is a terror, so she tries to take it back and finds Harold beaten half to, te- half to death. Harold regales us with his story. In the 90s, he was a crime reporter in Hollywood. During one of his investigations, he discovers Lucino and GNF, or Metal Mask, are making bodies Frankenstein style. They catch him snooping and beat him up and tell him he can never leave L.A. or they will kill him. So, of course, Kate tries to help him leave L.A., but Harold is kidnapped at the airport. He is later found dead, killed by one of Kate's arrows. Metal Mask is mad that she had to kill Harold and torches Marcus and Finch's home in revenge. All right, issue five slash <laughs> twenty. Twenty. Right. No, yes, twenty. You're right. I'm looking at it right. right now. Sorry. <laughs> Math is hard. Okay, here we go. Kate calls her dad to let him know that she knows, and then Kate gets arrested for the death of Harold, and then after she gets bailed out, she goes undercover as a sushi girl to take down Madame Mask. This issue was crazy. <laughs> Yeah. She steals she steals some info and fights some more billboys and turns and burns down Madame Mask's house. Shield saves the day but covers everything up for some reason. Then it turns out Harold is alive and then Kate heads back to New York to save Clint. The end. The end. <laughs> That's how you do it. Hit the high points, man. Issue five was wild. I'm not even sure if I understood everything that was happening. Yeah. I think they're vampires. <laughs> like, wh- where did shield come from <laughs> what are they doing now yeah oh, yeah that, anyway we'll get into that so it's time for the graphic novel pyramid and this is the part of the show where we evaluate the book of the week based on the three elements we believe a book needs to nail to be a good book and the first of these is story sam what you got okay i knew it was all out of order but I didn't apparently pay any attention to the how the numbers were. I thought it was just like last week. It was just kind of jumbled together in a run. But the way they collected it, it was all Kate. Every issue in this volume was all about Kate. And 
I'm a dummy for not realizing they skipped issues. Uh, I was just then look how hard at it. But anyway, so but uh, I did like it. I did like it was all Kate. It was a different take, and uh, it was she left New York. It's all in uh, L.A. now, so it's a different location. And seeing her trying to restart and seeing all her her many successes and all her failures and all that stuff, and it reminds you how much she really is like Clint. Like that's definitely the female Clint of the world. But she doesn't make as many bad choices in love. And, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she's young. <laughs> she retains. <laughs> she can't. Yeah, but yeah, she, she will. But she is. Because <laughs> once she referenced, she, even in here, she referenced she was a teenager. I thought she was older now for some reason. The, when she was at the sushi did, bar. When she was yeah, at the sushi bar, she, she referenced she was a teenage girl. Well, she made mention when uh, her dad has married one of her high school friends and she mentioned we went to school together past tense. So I was yeah. thinking early twenties. That's what I thought too. Sounds, yeah. Yeah. I didn't catch that line at the, at the sushi bar. I'll find it. But anyway, so, uh, I liked how it was all Kate. I liked how it bounced around. I like, I like seeing all her struggles and her, her just nonsense she gets into and how surprisingly she gets beat up a lot for a girl. And, uh, <laughs> I said I, I didn't like how it jumped around like it did the last volume, but now it makes more sense because they did skip volumes and stuff. But uh, other than that, I, I did enjoy it. I really did. I thought it was an interesting take on on Kate. Yeah, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna complain about the structure <laughs> of how they collected yeah. this stuff again because uh, last week, I mean especially me and you, Jamie, complained about how this was so erratic and all over the place and the story was jumping around and we wished that it was set up as single issues. It reads better as a single issue. And we were complaining about the that it doesn't read good as a volume. Well, now they've tried to make it read better as a volume. They collected all of Kate and they left no Clint in. They, they, every other issue, I think as this was being coming out monthly, Fraction was writing it one, one month was Kate, one month was Clint, Kate, Clint, and it was back and forth. Well, they left all the Clint. Martin issues out, uh, which normally I'm okay. I, I hate to complain that it was all over the place and now I don't get enough. Now it's not, <laughs> now there's not enough stuff in it, but uh, you can't, you can't end volume two the way you did with that big cliffhanger of, you know, the tracksuit Dracula's and the clown and they're having tea in the, his apartment building. Like there's this giant war that's going to come up and then you give me five issues and, and don't even make a reference to it. I, I I feel like they swung too far the other way. It was it was so back and forth timeline wise and, and crazy, and now it's I didn't get nothing but Kate, which is fine. That was it was a good story, but I feel like we need a little bit of that Clint Barton stuff in there. That's it's a long it's a lot of reading to not get any of that. See, when you're reading it monthly, they are progressing that storyline. Yeah. It yeah. just it reads weird in the trades. I, I feel bad complaining about it both ways. I complained about it last week, and I'm still complaining about it. <laughs> it's like they overcorrected. It's like somebody hurt us, and then they overcorrected. Like, oh, you want it to be more streamlined and read like a volume? Well, here's nothing but a Kate story, and then here I am still complaining about it. But as you wish. Yeah. Now, I, uh. I, I think you can feel that the the way it's set up. That it was supposed like they expected you to be need to ca- be caught up a little bit, because um, this was going to be like you know a month missing in between. Like you're, it's going to be every other month you're going to be catching this, and so like they they feel a little bit standalone-ish. Like each is- issue does, especially the first like I think three. Three, um, yeah, definitely. But you know that's fine. I mean, like, like I said, it just it just reads better, you know, monthly. Um, but for me, there's. I've got I've got two nitpicks with this one. I still gave it a good grade. I still I still love it. Um, but the absence of Clint is big um, because and it's not just because I, I like Clint more than Kate. I think actually I like Kate more than Clint. But this series is at its best when those two knuckleheads are bouncing off of each other. Yeah. And that that's when this series is really humming. When when those two are driving each other nuts and making mistakes and just messing stuff up, you know, all over the place together. That's when this thing is at its best. And so not having Clint involved at all is just, it feels, you know, like there's missing potential. Um, and, and a they, bit. They, no way. No. 
Uh, it, it feels a little scattered. I, I would like to have had more Madam Mask lur- lurking through more of this. Like make make it all like it, let, let them do the individual stories, but make them all connect back to Madam Mask in some way. H- have her be more of a threat all the way through. I think it would have made the story work a little better. Uh, since we're on the subject of Madam Mask, she was in my notes again here in the story. How does that lady have so much power here in L.A. Like to be cloning or whatever she's doing to the people, transferring her memories? But she's also got pull. Like, like she make people like disappear. The bellboys, the, the stuff with the credit cards with Kate. So all the stuff she gets away with there, and she does it at Mandapore too. Like, who is this lady? Or I really don't know her. I mean, how, how does she have? How does she, she have hydratize? I don't know. I really, I really don't know. Hmm. I don't I, know. I just, I've just seen her show up in stories. I, I don't know like much about her history. I, I don't either. It seems like I said, I don't know. Just for the villain for Kate, though, she had like a lot of pull in L.A. of all towns. You know, you just want to thought it would have been L.A. Well, she's she's got a Bruce Wayne superpower. She's extremely rich. That's her. Yeah. <laughs> that's why it works in LA, you know. Money talks out there, I guess. So she she's got a lot of power because she's super rich. She's making the rich and famous young forever. So yeah. Was Cal Nefaria that guy that the X Men fought in like the second Claremont issue? I don't know. He looked like one of the Brotherhood guys. Maybe one of the guys that done the Jean well, Grey we- after. <laughs> We sound like experts, don't we? Yeah. Who <laughs> is this character? To start it for the third time in this series we're doing. Oh, man. That's funny. I'm just not uh, familiar with her. You know, I, I really don't know. Yeah. Uh, I was curious if you guys knew more. No, nah, I'm not familiar with Metal Mask. Uh, I, I did want to give kudos to the story because I thought this was a pretty good way to highlight how young and inexperienced Kate is. Because when she's around Clint, he kind of, he's such a train wreck. He makes her look extremely competent. But then when you get to see her out on her own in LA, she even says she's there for 10 minutes and she gets rolled. All of her stuff's gone. She's got no money. It's like 10 minutes in LA. She's like, I'm sitting here with nothing. Uh, so it, it kind of, I felt like it done a good, uh, uh, done a service showing us who she is really. I mean, she's still really young. She's kind of naive about stuff. Uh, but she, man, she's not scared of anything. She's so not scared. She's reckless at times. Like she's like, oh yeah, I can just go bust in this building by myself. Sure, I don't need to do any kind of planning. I, I just, I'll wing it, you know. Like, I know where you get that from. You're getting that from Clint Barton, but you don't have the experience he does to back it up and pull it off sometimes. So, I mean, she's also she's got the Clint Barton mentality, and she's also like very young and doesn't like has no idea she's mortal yet. <laughs> Right. Yeah. So that, that that for me was like the point of the story. Yeah. Metal Mask, it, it, didn't, it could have been another villain. I mean, it, it tied into the earlier volumes because she'd already kind of crossed Metal Mask, but it could have been a different villain. And I think we would have gotten the same point of the story, you know, just really showing us who Kate is and, and what she's got to learn and stuff. So I, I thought the story was good for that. I like the story. I mean, I know we, we've bashed yeah. it a little bit here, but I like following Kate and watching her stumble and keep trying and get beat up lose a tooth you know i i, just, I enjoyed following her around but I, I agree with what jamie said earlier about not having clean in it was kind of almost a let down but it was still fun it really was i enjoyed seeing kate i mean i read the the after this series kelly thompson takes over and it's all kate clint's not in the book anymore it's still good i, I kate bishop is a great character but this series is just at its best when the two of them are together i mean mm-hmm. oh yeah it, it, yeah. Anyway, uh, let's do some art. Josh, what you got? Uh, well, first off, I I miss David Aja. That's I, I like I like I like his art style better. Uh, I I I thought this art I it it was good, passable art for most of it. There was a couple of times uh, Kate looked kind of old and haggard, like she was maybe forty and had been smoking a lot. Like she she looked pretty rough at times. Uh yeah. I know she's supposed to be beat up, but there was times they went past beat up to she's had a really rough life. Uh but but overall uh, uh, this worked for Kate in LA. This style it, it didn't have the moodiness that David Aja brings that Clint Barton really needs. Like I don't think this art style is going to work great if it stays this when we get back to a uh, Clint New York. I don't know that great for that 
uh, it worked okay for Kate and Ellie. Uh, and then Sam, I'm going to go ahead and steal one of your nitpicks. I'm sure you're going to mention is uh, the uh, first issue or the annual one where they were just doing black silhouettes instead of people. They would do a panel of Kate at the hotel lobby when her card's not running. And then the next panel, Kate's just a black silhouette. There's no detail. And then there's random panels. They just don't draw the characters. It's just a big black character shaped hole <laughs> in the panel that I did not care for. That I, I don't know what they were trying to do with that, but I, I did not like it. Well, I think I think Polito was trying to do like a 60s pop art style for that issue. Yeah, I, I it, it didn't hit home with me. I I was not a fan of that uh, first well, first issue. Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not a Polito fan. I mean, it it grates on me. His style does less, you know, than it used to. But I'm still not a big fan or anything. Um, but I, I do I do want to give a big positive, and this is true for both the Polito and the Annie Wu issues. The um, I thought it was really clever, and I, on this this real it really really jumps out to you when you're reading monthly and you're jumping back and forth. They keep everything in New York really gloomy. You've got that really sort of, you know, bleak color palette, like the really dark purples. There's black and gray everywhere. And then we come to L.A. and it's just bright colors everywhere. Um, and it's it, it, I mean, everything is bright about it. And so that just reading monthly, it's just this big contrast. Um, and it, that, I, I feel like the, the 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 color style, I'm not I'm just probably the wrong terminology. But the the color palette they were using, I thought was it was really cool the way they arranged that. Yeah, the contrast between the two. That yeah. probably would have had a bigger impact if it was collected as the issues came out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but when that's all we got was five issues of that, yeah, that I don't think it has a bit of bigger impact because I didn't. It doesn't I, pop the same way. Now that you mentioned, like, yeah, it really it was quite a bit different than how they portrayed New York, but I didn't really pick up on that as much. Because we was in LA the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Re- reading it monthly, that was really cool. Even even the the covers are are a different sort of design and and yeah. color situation. But um, I I'm with you though. The the absence of David Alja is a problem. I mean, Polito is Polito. I mean, it's, you're getting what you're getting. Um, I like Annie Wu a lot, but she is so different from david aja that it it just feels it just doesn't feel quite right the entire time it feels like something's off and she's also doing the um i think it was the first episode uh maybe the one you weren't on josh where me and sam uh, compared it to the uh the pink panther cartoons from the 70s and annie Wu does even more of that like it really does feel like you know we could see that weird detective with the giant nose walk around the corner at some point um it just it just feels like seventies cartoons, and it does it just doesn't mesh. And that was the yeah. same complaint we had before because David Alger's not doing that. I agree. That's everything I'll say. It I agree with. I, I'm not a fan of all of the 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 first. I guess it was the annual one, whatever. It was okay. It had some moments, but I agree with Josh with the silhouette stuff. I just don't like the faces. I don't like his faces. I don't know what it is. I just have our time looking at them, and then. Lumpy. There's something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I have a hard time. I have a hard time with that one. I was, I was glad when I finished reading that one. But I did like the story on that one. So, but anyways, uh, but other things I, I, I did like the the colors. I mean, you're right. It's all. I had the beach feel. You know, the sand, the this, the the tropic feel. Just it, it really had that vibe going for them. But another complaint I had was Kate evolved. Her face was, like Josh said, looked haggard. She kind of, it's it was hard to tell. I mean, you can tell it was Kate. She had all the purple on. But then the other characters, they didn't look, the, the Triple H guy, Harold, 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 Harold guy, his hair color changed, his face changed. There was a lot going on with him that I didn't care much for. The trench coat told us who he was. And then... No, no hold on. In, in, I figured that out, though. That was on purpose. I know because he was older than he went younger than he done his flashback. There's three different versions you've seen of him. Yeah, she keeps killing him. <laughs> yeah, oh no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know that too. But, but you think because it's supposed to be life model decoys that, that, that you think it would just be like a younger looking version of who he was, unless they're trying to completely change his looks so they didn't recognize the guy's coming back. I don't know about that. I, I don't know. Yeah, but anyhow, so but 
there's a couple characters in there like you couldn't tell apart. Like you couldn't tell who's who. So I, I, I just really struggled with the art this week. I, that's really what it brought down to Keaton for me. If it hadn't been for that, it would definitely been an Affleck for me. I just I didn't care for the art. I mean, I, I like Annie Wu a lot. I just I, I just I just feel like we the, the first what two volumes. It's almost all David Aja all the time, and he and he he is so good at setting a tone, and just and just building a whole world himself with his art that anybody else telling jumping into the same series just feels weird. And so as, as much as I like Annie Wu, it just feels weird the whole time. And but she's she's the one had the characters that looked similar, like yeah, I mean, they're copies of each other. Like it, it was really hard. She's really good at giving people personality, mm. even if they yeah. look the same sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> I thought the art was overall was passable. I mean, we, we we've said a lot of negatives here. I mean, it's not bad art. I just to what we've been getting, I think it's it's too different. Uh, it kind of catches you out. Uh, I, I I didn't think one one more nitpick or, or uh, something bad to say about it is I didn't think the action was particularly good. It it didn't really flow very well. It wasn't super dynamic. I mean, I could kind of tell what was going on, but there there wasn't as much action as I thought there was going to be in it. It was a little underwhelming. Yeah, like I said, passable. I mean, it wasn't like bad. It just I wasn't wowed by any of it, I guess. Which I think they were maybe they were leaning into that because, you know, Kate's not Clint. You know, she's a great archer, but she's not quite, you know, the combat level. She wasn't trained like by the swordsman the way Clint was. I mean, she's not a hand-to-hand fighter the way he is. She's good, but she's not Clint. She did get beat up by two bellhops or nurses or whatever they were. I wish they'd done something with that. Because you kind of mentioned, you guys kind of look like bellboys. And they do nothing with it. That was their opportunity to bring Madame Ask into that, that issue. Yeah. That's all I kept waiting for. Yeah. Never. Never happened. Yeah. I mean, I, I like I said, I mean, I, that, I, th- I think I didn't feel as negative about it as we just sounded. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> what I was trying to say there. It's like, it's passable art. Like, it's not bad. I just... Yeah. It doesn't wow you. There's nothing, one thing that stands out like, wow, this was really great about the art. I mean, it's solid art, but. The fire zombies were pretty cool. I needed that explained to me, too. I didn't. Well, I, I, don't you know, I wasn't sure what they were trying to tell me there, about what that was a deal, <laughs> to deal with. <laughs> about the life model decals, they weren't really human, I guess. Are those bell boys like floating around somewhere else, though? Or are these just. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about the characters. Um, the main, main point here is, is Kate's still the best. I just, I love that kid. She's, I love, I love how the, her weird combination of naive and sassy. <laughs> Some stuff just, spouts out. Yeah. And just no, no matter how many like band-aids are on her nose, how many scratches all over her face, she's still hopeful. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's endearing. Like just her whole attitude and approach to life. Yeah. I mean, it's characters. That's that's the sweet experiment. I mean, it was Kate, and she was awesome. Well, I, I've got I've got I've got more. I mean, that, yeah. that's the that's the headline. That's the thing flashing in neon. Kate's awesome. <laughs> yeah. um, I think I think Madame Mask is a good villain for her. I feel like that that feud between the two of them and how personal that was for Madame Mask to the point that she's just prank calling her in the middle of the night just to mess with her. It's so petty and so personal. I just I love that. Uh, okay, I agree. I think they're, they're a combination together. That, that is a good arch enemy for her. <laughs> She's gotten under her skin so much. This adult woman who's probably a multi-billionaire, you know, wielding immense amounts of power all over the world, is prank calling a 20-year-old girl in the middle of the night. <laughs> is that who we are now, she said. <laughs> um, but I, I, think, I think that this this book as much as the other ones in the series show how good that fraction is at creating side characters and making you care about them and making them interesting very quickly. Um, yeah, it's like a couple. That's why I was going to mention. I had them in here. Yeah. And, and uh, they have like a little nice little arc and stuff going on with them. And what well, little I was in there, you did, you, you kind of, you wanted to see them do good and they end up helping her. They're kind of like her sidekicks, whatever. It, it was pretty interesting. And Will Bryson is in one issue. You know, you really yeah. like feel for the guy, like all like the, his mental his mental illness issues and his you know 
you know, troubles with him, substance abuse and his music. I mean, he makes you care about him so fast. You know, it's yeah. it's an amazing skill for action has. It's true. Josh, is your mic working? Yeah, no, I'm good. <laughs> I was watching you all read my notes. Uh, so yeah, I did, I did, there's not a whole lot of stuff to add to that. Uh, what what you guys was mentioning in stories, what I had written in my uh, characters' notes here is that Kate is great, uh, and she needs she she did some growing up in this story. I think she had some hard reality knocked into her head a little bit about her capabilities <laughs> and about how the world really is. Like, I think she did a little bit of growing up in this volume. Which she, she probably needed some. Uh, she would say she's got Kate abilities. <laughs> Kate abilities, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, as fun as Kate is, and I do like Kate as a character, she does work better with Clint. I think volumes one and two, when they are in panels together and they have dialogue together, they, for us to read, they bring out the best in each other. They don't necessarily bring out the best of each other character-wise, but for us... It's way more entertaining for me, anyways, when when Clint and Kate get to interact. Uh, so I, I kind of was missing not having Clint in this volume. Uh, but other than that, yeah, the the characters are good. Fraction's awesome. Uh, you guys already talked about the side characters. I I would have liked a little bit more time with some of them. Like Harold kind of floats in and out, and you have a couple random en- encounters with Kate. And then he does that one big, long kind of monologue where he tells him about his past. But other than that, you don't get a lot of Harold. Uh, I kind of would have liked some more more time with him. Uh, the, uh, I wish I wish Will Bryson had come back at the end and helped. Uh-huh. That would have been a nice sort yeah. of circle back. I I think there could have been a lot more done with Detective Cottle because it felt like he had he and Kate had a good back and forth. He was kind of a stand in for Clint. Like, you know, he was kind of getting exasperated at her a little bit and stuff. Like, he was fun and I think they could have could have played that out a little more and gave us, you know, almost double the panel time we got with Detective Cottle. I think he only he was only on like 10 panels or something, 12 panels. I mean, he was barely in the thing. But I felt like there was a lot of potential there. Yeah, he had some good one-liners towards her. It was funny. <laughs> I love that she has the Clint like ability on people's nerves like the instant they meet her. <laughs> it's just like he starts from his nose right away. <laughs> she just walks in the room. Like, oh, you're gonna be trouble. Yeah, in two minutes he's like, oh, can you just leave and never come back? Like I'm done. Two minutes I'm well, done the, with Kate. The very first meeting, like she's leaving and he's like, leave now or I'm gonna if you would come back, I'm gonna have you shot or arrested. I haven't decided which. Like he had just met her. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I have one big complaint on this on this section though. Where was Lucky the pizza dog? Why make such a big deal about Lucky choosing to leave Clint and go with her to California to do nothing with him there? He's in the background on a couple of panels and that's it. Yeah. What a waste. He was a uh, cat setting for her real job while she was yeah. supposed to be there. I guess. I just felt like that was a big sort of like dropped ball. The only time, only time he had anything to do was in the the first issue. It's when he attacked the, the bellhops. And then he disappears. Yeah. yeah. That was that was my last character's note, too. I was going to bring up if nobody else did, Jamie. Because <laughs> the whole thing, like, he's literally, I think, when they get the cat from uh, Harold, and they're like, the cat's tearing the place up, and they're like, oh, we got to take this cat back. You see Lucky in the background. That and then other one he attacks the uh, bellhops when they're rummaging through her stuff in the first issue. That's the only two times you see Lucky. Well, and then he's back in the car when she leaves on the very last page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's That's going back. That's it. It's crazy. I mean, it's just it's such a weird. I mean, why why do that if you're going to make such a big deal mm-hmm. about him leaving Clint to go with her? Because that was a, that was a big deal. You know, it was a big emotional thing. And it's like ah, whatever. Maybe. Maybe it wasn't that Kate had Lucky. It's that Clint doesn't have him. And if we were reading the issue as we were supposed to in line, it, it plays a bigger part with Clint not having Lucky there. And he's gripping about it and groaning about it. And then Lucky not even doing anything. Like, Kate's not even paying him attention. makes it that much worse. <laughs> like, she took his dog and then it's just completely neglecting him. Yeah, if if there are jokes on the other volume when we get to it about Clint, Clint's like, I bet they're playing Frisbee on the beach. And right. just is bummed. Like, that, that, would, that, that would be funny. Yeah, that that they they may tie together uh, if you read the issues in order. All right, you want to give us some words? Yep. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? <laughs> <laughs>
These are things we dig most in L.A. Woman, Hawkeye Volume 3. All right, uh, Sam Hoosier, what's your base cover? Hoosier, who's your base cover? Who's my base cover is on <laughs> page 50, no, 32, and I think it's issue 14. Yes, you are correct, sir. I dig out. It kind of looks like Joan Jett is playing Kate Bishop there. <laughs> that's a, that's oh, yeah. the same one I had, Sam. That's a good one. Lady hot guy looking all tough with her glasses. You got Lucky the pizza dog. He actually made an appearance down there in the bottom. Yeah. I, like I don't know. She lo- she looks tough in that. I don't know. I like that one. That's not really like the Kate version of tough from the stories, though. It's a cool no. it's a cool cover, but it's not really Kate. Yeah. So so that's why I went with cover twenty on page ninety five, and it's got the circles and hexagons silhouettes on that one. And Madame Mass looks really cool and menacing there. And Kate looks like you know, an innocent 60s version of Kate. Um, and I just, I like, and, and, and Harold looks cool in the background too, but I think tie. that one really, ca- you know, sort of captures what's going on in the story really well. I mean, and it's and it's also still a cool image. Yeah, I agree. I like it. Yeah, that, that was the two I'd kind of narrowed down to, but. And it's got the little targets again. Yeah. I mean, this is the only David Osher we're getting. He's doing the covers here. Yeah. No. Uh, all right, Josh. Who's your best character? Well, I think the right answer is Kate because that's who's in it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's Kate's in it. That's how it works. Uh, this is a Kate Bishop story. She she is the character you get to spend almost all your time with. There there are some side characters, uh, and we've talked about Kate, so I'm not going to get into it. But I did want to throw in a, a honorable mention of uh, Detective Coddle. I really liked him. I almost picked him just straight up as my best character, but I couldn't pick somebody that was only on like five pages. Uh, but I really liked him, and I, I wish they would have delved into that. But yeah. Well, I did the exact same thing you did. Kate's the right answer, but I wanted to mention Detective Caudle. Just any time he's on the page, it's comedic gold. Yeah. I mean, the, the the man's already got you know follicle issues, and I'm pretty sure more are coming out any time. You know, Kate's within like 15 blocks of him. Like he can sense it. Yeah, I can picture him with a roll of uh, rollades in his pocket. And every time he sees Kate, he just like starts popping rollades, like she's <laughs> kicking his ulcers up. You know. All right, Sam. I agree, Kate. I like her. It's a Kate story. Awesome. Kate's literally on one to pick. All right then. Um, Easy. All right, best panel yeah. is. The I'm I'm kind of gonna cheat here a little bit. It's on page ninety-two, and it's kind of the top three panels and the way they progress. Because the way we're zoomed in really close, like none of not one of them by themselves is the best panel, but the way we see, get the zoom up super close on Harold's face and the way it pulls back, and we see that he's on the Hollywood sign, and we see that. It's one of Kate's arrows that's in him. I love all three of those panels and the way they progress. So I'm cheating a little bit, but that's my best panel progression. <laughs> yeah. Cheating a little bit. That's almost a full page. Okay. Yeah. So Sorry. for a best panel, actual one panel, it's on page 90, uh, page is it? 97, panel one. It's her mugshot, her smiling. <laughs> She's <laughs> missing her tooth. She's living up to her hot guy name there. That's why I picked it. That's Clint. As as girls would say, that is Lady Hot Guy on that page. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Josh. All right. I had uh, page 115. It's the last page. It's it's her in the uh, Trans Am with the pink firebird on the hood. With Lucky heading back. I mean, she's got her game face on. She's going back to New York. She's going to go settle some scores and sort some stuff out. And I just thought that was cool, her rolling out with L.A. in the background. The the bottom panel on that page, she looks like she's aged like 35 years in L.A. Has started smoking like 10 packs of cigarettes a day. Maybe dabbled in meth. I mean, she just (laughs) looks like L.A. was hard on her. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, that's why I didn't pick that panel. I picked the one <laughs> above it because, yeah, that is not a great panel. Even her hand and arm look wrinkly and stuff. I don't know what they did to her in that last panel. <laughs> not <Her good>. angle. <laughs> yeah. But, she uh, went from like 22 to like 49. Yeah. In, in what, a month? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hawk uh, guys live hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, look at Clint. Yeah. All right. Same with your best dialogue. All right. So it's on page 89. It's when the, the bellhops just kidnapped, kidnapped Harold and they're throwing him in the van. So she's running after him and goes, hey, get back here. That With that incapacitated old man, his cat has special needs. It's <laughs> made me laugh. Yeah. Kate's got a lot of good lines in this thing. Mm-hmm. All right, Josh. And I picked kind of a little throwaway goofy line, too, is on uh, page 42. It's after she's tried to uh, get Flint Ward to uh, talk to her, and he just shoes her away. And uh, so on page 42, she's like, all right, plan B. This really should have been plan A all along. In fact, in the future, whatever my first plan is, just going to auto scrap it. From now on, plan B is always plan A. Plan A is just like the garbage plan, the stupid plan. (laughs) And I just... Trying to psych herself up, like I'm not making this mistake again. But yeah. then her plan B ends up being absolutely terrible. She just walks into a room full of bad guys and gets beat up. So <laughs> just like, go find some bellboys. <laughs> yeah, just just automatically going to scrap plan A. Just not even going to talk about it. Well, mine is Kate being hilarious on a plan that actually worked. And so mine is on page uh, 105. And it's when she's doing her sushi girl thing. And so she's been on the table, being, you know, still and quiet like the sushi girl, like job is. But then, like, the jig is up, it's time for the plan to to go into place. And so she goes, every last one of you, sit the futs down and shut the futs up right now. As soon as I wipe the salmon row from my nethers, I'll be getting my costume on and taking my leave of you creeps. I'll catch any one of you looking, and I'll have myself the very eye that snuck the peak. Are we clear? You should be ashamed. I'm old enough to be your daughter's. Super cool and just a little bit worldly, younger, awesome friend. <laughs> yep. I don't know if she said teenager, she said younger, awesome. Yeah. 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 I just I liked everything about that. I think I think that <laughs> wiping the same and row from her nathers was my favorite part. <laughs> I, I like how she still got the arrows in her hair. Took me back to the, the first volume. Yeah. When she was fighting the circus guys. Yeah. Yep. I don't know why Madam Asking didn't realize that it was Kate the arrows and kind of stuff given away. I don't know. Anyhow, sorry. Anyway, Josh, what's your uh, favorite full full page spread? Well, I could only find two, so I had a 50-50 of you guys are going to get the same one I've got. I got a page 94. And she comes back to the uh, Marcus and Finch's little RV house being torched. And I realize now Lucky's on that page, too. He made it out of the Brennan building okay. That kind of looks like a uh, Frank Avia page. Yeah. Um, I also had that one, and it's really cool. It just looks cool. Yeah. That's it. Same? Uh, we all agree. That's that's really the best one. Unless you want to see naked uh, lady mask in the bathtub. Really yeah, other that, was the other, that was the only other one. Yeah, so. It wasn't Fire. a bad page. I mean. No, it really wasn't. Yeah. yeah. She makes the bath with her golden mask on <laughs> and with tons of flowers not bubbles it's flowers orchids yeah yeah, yeah orchids all right cobra uh, commander probably get along <laughs> and that is a reference only long time listeners will understand <laughs> <laughs> she's way more confident than cobra commander it's the mask thing yeah it's the mask thing she does take hers off occasionally mostly just to mess with Kate um, which is funny because the whole thing is she's mad like that she didn't take off the mask. Now she's taking the mask off left and right, but only for Kate. Like it's a it's a it's weird. Um, I think it's probably how blood feeds work though. They get weird. Um, so uh, last award this week is best surprisingly emotional moment, and this one probably had the least of the series so far. It wasn't there wasn't quite those poignant moments, but I thought I thought Harold's story. Um was probably the closest thing we had to one, to one of those moments. You know, the way he got trapped there and the way she keeps killing him over and over again and bringing him a new body back so she can just keep torturing him. Um, I, I thought that was, was 
fairly emotional. Made you feel for him. Yeah. Yeah. Sam? All right, well, it was the the guys at the end. Uh, was his name Finch and Marcus? I think that's right. Mm-hmm. So when they were saying bye, all that stuff to her, and then they're like, you know, she like she loved the guys or whatever. She's like, oh, you're our hero to us too. So like, she got them to come around and be on her side. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, and they were very unimpressed early. <laughs> they really were. <laughs> when she first walked in, they, like, they were throwing some shade her way for sure <laughs> when she showed up. <laughs> All right, Josh, what you got? All right. Well, I I went uh put a curve on this one. I picked best emotional moment for Kate, not necessarily for the reader, because there wasn't a lot that hit me in the feels. Yeah, so. there wasn't. But but I it, I double cheated because I also picked page ninety four. It's that full page spread, and I feel like it's one of the first times she sees some legit consequences to what she's doing around being a superhero. Like she she gets beat up, she gets arrested, like that stuff that happens to her. But when she sees Marcus and Finch's little home being burnt, and she's like, guys, I got to go home and save Clint. They're like, this was our home, and it's burning. I felt like that was a real emotional gut punch for Kate to kind of see yeah. like, oh. I'm playing in the big leagues now. There's, there's stuff can happen when I do, you know, when I do stuff, other stuff happens. And I think too, that that'll make her feel differently about Clint, like why he's willing to do all things he's doing for the people in the apartment building. Right. So yeah, I, I, th- I, th- I think that'll matter later, but it also made in the next issue when she burns down uh, Madame Mask's house, pretty satisfying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. All right. Revenge. You want to cast this thing? Yeah. <laughs> Might as well. All right, Sam. Who is your Kate Bishop? That's what I was doing. Uh, I, th- I think we need to retire this one too. Yeah, I mean, it's we a got lot of cast to Kate in a hurry. All right, so just because she's young, athletic, and she can kick butt, Chloe Grace Mortez, is a girl from that movie. <laughs> the girl from that movie. Way to narrow it down, bro. Like the kick butt movie. Yeah. No, I just <laughs> the girl from that movie. <laughs> the girl from that one movie that we watched that one time. Yep. She's pretty good in it. Yeah. All right. And I'm going some uh somebody a little bit younger that I think looks the part. Uh Miranda Cosgrove. You may have to look her up. Uh she, I think she's probably most well known for the iCarly kids show. Oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, she's about the right age. She's she she kind of has the look. Uh, I'm not real familiar with her work, but I was kind of going off appearance with this one. Okay. Well, I'm um I'm doing the opposite time machine trip this time. I'm gonna cast Millie Brobby Brown for about three years from now. That's a good one, actually. Yeah, I thought about that, but yeah. yeah. She's a little on the young side now, but I, I think that when she's, you know, 21, 22, this, this kind of story, that kind of sense of humor, her, her, her acting ability, I think she would be really good at this. All right, you won that one. Yeah, not even mad you cheated with the time machine. <laughs> it's hard to ever go forward in time. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll I'll take it. Uh, you win. Josh, who is your Harold Harold Harold? Harold uh, Harold Harold. I've got Richard Madden. It's not bad. Yeah, I think he's got the look. I buy him being a Hollywood reporter, uh, but then also you know he's got to do a little bit of heavy lifting when he's doing his story and stuff. So he, he's he's a good actor. So thank you. I think you do. All right. See, I was trying to figure out who he was supposed to be because I think he's supposed to remind us of somebody, like a Colum- like some kind of seventies detective, like Columbo type seventies detective. I think there's somebody he's supposed to remind us of, and I couldn't put my finger on it because we're just a little bit too young for it. Do you remember Unsolved Mysteries we used to watch with our grandparents? The the guy that done the yeah. thing. That's out of. I I almost wanted to time machine Ted Danson. He kind of looks like an old Ted Danson. Yeah. Back in the day. Well, I'm, you may have the time machine this one. Maybe not, depending on how recently Madame Mask has killed him. Um, I'm going to go with Tom Hanks. Yeah. Yeah, because Tommy, I mean, most people like, you know, who are younger than us, 
don't think of Tom Hanks as doing like, you know, big goofy comedy. Um, we've seen big. We know what Tom Hanks can do. Uh, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, we, we've seen Joe versus the volcano and the burbs and stuff like that. We, we know Tom, Tom, Tom Hanks has done other things. Uh, Funny, but you just, you just do all the old movie references. <laughs> you, you, you forgot money pit. That was the other. Oh, oh, money, pit. money pit's a good one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you got them. I think we got all of them now. A scary movie reference checked off. Yeah. <laughs> Turner and Hooch. Forgot it. Oh, I was going with the good ones. Um, oh. <laughs> I just, that's the last one I can think of. <laughs> Bachelor party. Oh. Yeah. Bosom buddies. Do you remember that? Right, so, no. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about a show that can be made today. Um, no, I, I, I do think he's got the, the balance of the, like his comedic chops and like, his dramatic abilities, he'd be a good Harold. Yeah. Yeah. I can see him being like the father figure in the grocery store and all that. And if Tom Hanks gives you advice, you're going to listen. Yeah. All right. So, uh, I kind of want this guy I thought sort of looked like him. And I was him in the trench coat in the grocery store telling Kate some wordly stuff. So I went with Aaron Eckhart. I can see him doing, doing the role. That's pretty good. But, Especially when he's doing his like his monotone about his old life and all that, trying to escape his curse and all that. All right, we listed so many Tom Hanks movies. I forgot who Josh cast. Who was your <laughs> Who was your Harold Richard, Josh? Richard Madden. Richard Madden. Okay, those are, those are three good ones. I'm not sure how, who to give the win to on that one. I was pretty proud of mine. So yeah, those are all pretty good. I, I think I think, I think that was the problem. We all did well. Um, there was no Bushimis on that one. Um. Speaking of a guy that shouldn't be Harold Harold. Um, <laughs> next up is Madame Mask, maybe probably for the last time. And I'm going to go with Gal Gadot. I really thought about her. That, that's that's a really good answer. Yeah. Right. Sam, who's your wrong answer then? Well, I, I agree with you. I think Gal, Gal should do it. But I also had another one because I've used her a lot. So I went with Jessica Alba. I could see so, that, yeah. Yeah, just the Hollywood thing kind of going, does the full scene. So I'm not sure I see Jessica Alba as like menacing though. She could be. Have you not seen Sin City? I, she's doing stuff in that movie. I'm not sure any of it's menacing. I don't know. The intimidating is <laughs> a word I used to describe yeah. her. Uh, well, I almost want, I, I wanted to say Gal Gadot, but she's like seven feet tall and Kate. <laughs> I think that <laughs> Millie Bobby Brown's not going to be that tall. <laughs> she didn't. And if you remember, they had to pretend to be, she was pretending to be Madame yep. Mask earlier. So I was trying to keep the height somewhat close. I couldn't do it though. Uh, so I'm going with uh, Charlize Theron. She can do intimidating. Yeah. Do what? I think that was my pick last time. Yeah. I mean, she, she can do the really intimidating, intense scenes. Uh, but you'll buy her as a Hollywood elite because, I mean, she is. Uh, so. I'm with you. I think me and Jamie wins with Gail. <laughs> I'm honestly not sure. I picked Charlie's there on first. <laughs> you just I wanted to. I couldn't pick her again. <laughs> anyway, we'll just call it a tie. Uh, Sam, who is your detective Coddle? All right, so because he can do funny one-liners, old grizzled. Like worn out, ready to retire guy, Bruce Willis. Thought that'd be funny. Some stuff he says to Kate about <laughs> shoot you or erase you kind of stuff. I can see Bruce Willis throwing those lines out. He was on. He was on my list. Yeah. Yeah. I, we may have the same pick, Jamie. I don't know. Uh, we'll see. Probably not. Well, yeah, maybe not. Uh, but we need a detective. He's got to have no time for Kate's shenanigans. Uh, he's got to be intense, but he's also got to deliver funny lines. So I'm going John C. McGinley. He's a guy to be, in, be intense, but also be funny, you know, be easily frustrated, but still likable. I mean, John C. McGinley's your guy. It's pretty good. You may have actually stolen it. Um, I've got Michael Chiklis down. Because he's been kind of the underwhelming everyman in like the commish. Um, kind of, you know, trod upon as being grim in the fantastic four but you've seen his anger issues on the shield yeah so 
with Michael Chiklis. I ain't mad at it. Yeah. I mean, I and won if, that one, but I ain't mad at it. <laughs> if you go a little bit younger, I was considering Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell. Yeah. Yeah, Cassian Moore. Such a good actor. Yeah. And he's just one of those likable dudes. Yeah. Anyway. Next up is the wild. Nope. Not the wild card. Uh, Marcus. Josh, who's your Marcus? Uh, great actor. Probably not the right guy for this role, uh, but I'm going Giancarlo Esposito. Yeah, no. Off Gideon. I, he he does the quiet reserve. Like, I can see him not having time for Kate and kind of being underwhelmed by her at first. Uh, but he's a really good actor, and I think he could do the part. I just He's he's not the right guy for the role. I'm fully aware of that. I just... I think he'd be scary no matter what he would do at this point. He's played yeah. so many bad guys so well for so long. I just, I don't think I could ever buy him as like this heartwarming, like friend guy, you know? Yeah. yeah. If, if, he, if he's, if he's mentoring somebody is to set him up to take a fall for him. I mean, I, I just, <laughs> it's I, a double cross. <laughs> yeah. I just, I couldn't buy him mentoring Kate. I'm, just, I, I'm fully aware. It's not the right answer. Kind of looks the part. Yeah. He has put on a few pounds, but Marcus is a little bit heavier than he is for most of his roles. But um, I'm going Forrest Whitaker. Good actor. I I mean, we've seen him do similar roles to this Um, when it's time to be, you know, sort of soft and um, heartwarming. I mean, he can really do that. Yeah. All right. So I'm in second, Sam. Can you knock me back to third? Yeah, I picked this guy because I figured Jamie was. I was like, I was going to roll with it because I thought it would be funny. So I picked Idris Elba. <laughs> I did consider it for old time's sake. I, I figured you did. Like, we didn't catch him in a long time. I was like, Jamie's going to use him. So I, I, I didn't even think about it because I, like, I was like, that's Idris Elba. No, I, 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 Forrest Whitaker was too good. I, I, even, even for the humor of it, I couldn't. Forrest Whitaker's yeah. right. Yeah, it, Idris Elba's wrong, but he's less wrong than Giancarlo. So <laughs> I'm taking third on that one. Uh, who's who's this uh, this guy that really loves Kate? He's taking such good care of her. Let's cast Evil Incarnate. <laughs> we got it nailed. That just shows you what a good actor he is. He portrays <laughs> evil so well, you totally believe it. He's probably the nicest guy in the world. Uh, anyway, that's another win for me. Uh, so it's time for the wild card pick. Last cast pick, and I'm first. And I'm going to go with a cast for Flynn Ward, the Weed Lord. Uh, no, Flint. It autocorrected on me. Flint Ward, the Weed Lord. I'm going Josh Lucas. Oh, it was too easy and too obvious. <laughs> it looks like him, too. It, they just sort of like fluked up his hair a little bit, and it's Josh Lucas. Yeah. I thought this guy was British or something. He was very sophisticated. The dialogue he was given. Josh Lucas can play so many different kinds of jerks. He can do sophisticated jerk. I mean, don't <laughs> underestimate his his jerkiness. Okay. All right. Yeah. I seen him play BB in Ford versus Ferrari, so he's got there's so many gears of jerk that he can go with. I mean <laughs> Yeah, he's top cast. Every jerk lane there is, he can travel on. <laughs> Alright, so my turn. My wild card. Do you have y'all's uh Comic still up. Mm-hmm. Go to page ninety-eight, panel three. <laughs> <laughs> He's only on one panel. He's only on one panel. I made sure this time. Yeah, he said lines though. But Ryan Gosling. Uh, panel three. On panel three. <laughs> yeah. Page ninety-eight, panel three. Four words. Yeah. Ryan Gosling though. Wouldn't that be funny? Like if you're watching the movie and like, she, like <laughs> montage of interviewing people and you just like see famous people every now and then just flash in. Just saying like a one word or something. That'd be funny. Ryan Gosling. At some point, the studio execs are going to pull you in the office and tell you about blowing your <laughs> casting budget for little cameos. Like, like was, well, Tom Cruise was okay, but now, come on, you're getting ridiculous. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of like, um, did y'all ever watch Logan Lucky? No, not yet. Right, anyway, there's like a, a, a well-known actor who just shows up for a couple of scenes. And it's just like, that's weird. But, all right, Josh, who's your wild card? Well, I did the same as you, and I cast for Flint Ward, and I debated Josh Lucas, <laughs> but I nothing against Josh Lucas. I don't get sophisticated from him a lot. Uh, so I went with Christoph Waltz. 
Okay, that's pretty good. <laughs> he can do sophisticated. I can see him when when telling telling Kate that he didn't do business with weird women that show up in bicycle shorts on his front door. Like I can see him delivering that line and it being funny. Like, Did you yeah. ride on a bicycle? <laughs> yeah, that is a Christoph Waltz line. That is. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> you may have stolen that one from me. Yeah. All right. So I won the wild card. I like it. <laughs> I wasn't conceding that at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> I do the best wild cards. What are you talking about? Oh, Now, hey, Sam, back on your uh, page that you went to on panel five of that one, that's Katy Perry. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I looked at it, too. I thought about doing that one, but she said a lot more than panel three guy. <laughs> more than four <laughs> words. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, Next week is both um, uh, the fourth week in volume four of Hawkeye Month, and it's also the debut of the Hawkeye TV show on Disney Plus. So that will be the conclusion of Hawkeye Month, Hawkeye Month, as we review Hawkeye Volume Four, Rio Bravo. Finally, get back to Clint and all the odd numbers. Yeah, the only thing that's going to be kind of a bummer is I expect to not have Kate at all until the last issue. Because yeah. the way the way they collected this. That's we'll, see if, we'll see if it works better with Clint in gloomy New York. We'll, we'll complain about the uh, structure some more. Because the... <laughs> we're jerks that can't be satisfied. Just, just can't, can't make us happy. No. <laughs> I refuse to be happy about it now at this point. <laughs> we're being such jerks. Josh Lucas has to play all three of us in the movie. <laughs> This one piles all down to one, bro. <laughs> bro. It's actually just a jerk monologue. <laughs> all right. Well, fellas, I think we're done here. Salute. See ya. Good night. Goodbye, Switzerland. I'd love to have her, but I can't.